Welcome back. It's a brand new episode of Pop Cannon. We are your hosts. My name is Jordan. I'm Robert. Just say it, Joe. Just go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as you may have heard, I'm Joe. And I'm Paul. <laughs> it is episode 68. Today we are discussing one of Paul's favorite movies, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> no question mark in the title because that's a bad luck in old Hollywood lore. Uh, I mean, old Hollywood, it, It's right? like the Macbeth of uh, punctuation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into this film because this was my first viewing experience of it from start to finish i probably have seen it at some point as a child but have no real recollection of it wow. um and i found myself completely sucked into the narrative completely enamored with it i love 2d animation i love the practicality of it the performances were fantastic for the most part uh seeing the mix of live action and animation it's so it's just magical and it it makes me feel like a kid again so uh overall i think i had a very very good viewing experience paul i mentioned before how it's one of your favorite movies i mean i don't know i don't know if i would say it was my favorite movie but i I do love the movie just to be clear (laughs) (laughs) uh but I think just in general terms, it's kind of crazy that this movie got made like at all yes. uh, because of, well, for one, like the mixture of Warner Brothers characters with Disney characters. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the only time that's ever happened. They had to have like equal screen time. So just that alone. And then like mixing the animation with the practical effects just uh, pr- pretty much all of those things combined it's just kind of you just you're just like how did this movie get made <laughs> yeah but yeah uh, I, I just love it I, I think that like the script is really tight and they like set characters up very well I don't know I'm, I'm gonna keep going on if I keep talking <laughs> but yeah uh, I, I really love the movie Robert talk oh. about the movie talk about it what do you think about the movie it's it's so good no i i've always really liked this movie i remember watching it a lot when i was younger on vhs and then i found like some sort of anniversary dvd that i purchased that i then watched and it's definitely up there for me just in terms of like what it was able to accomplish because as a kid i really enjoyed seeing the mix of the practical and animated stuff like it captured Jordan's imagination when he watched it for this for the first time all the way through. Like it's always done that to me, like a comfort watch almost that I could just throw on and be like, I don't have to pay attention, but like things are going to, I'm going to catch things every time I watch it. Cause there's so much going on in the background in this too. But yeah, I absolutely love who framed Roger rabbit Joe. <laughs> I couldn't tell you the last time I saw this movie all the way through before last night. Um, and I think I was like a little nervous going in just because I didn't know how it would have aged, but it's not really like a problematic movie. It's just like the stuff with like smoking and drinking that like would never be in like a a Disney movie today, even though this wasn't like a Disney movie. 
and yeah like the animation was amazing i think this was pretty groundbreaking it's amazing the care that they put into like even just like that opening cartoon um well it's always been one of my favorite parts of it too (laughs) yeah just like establishing that like they would be real characters like they could be a bugs bunny or a daffy duck Mm -hmm. or whatever to the point that like it is amazing that they had all these like other properties and i think that is kind of a selling point of the movie as well um but i think they easily could have just filled it with these like ancillary like made up but like obviously representatives of another character they could have just filled it with those but the fact that they didn't and treated it like this was how like hollywood worked to make cartoons that was just funny i really enjoyed revisiting this and i'm glad that we did uh jordan what did you think like i really enjoyed the actors performances uh and having to emote and act alongside a two-dimensional being that is not there yeah. uh bravo because <laughs> props that yeah. uh that takes some skill and i feel like everyone involved in this movie was very talented specifically bob hoskins like mm-hmm. yeah stole the show and i read somewhere earlier that he didn't take another movie after this for a full year <laughs> he like didn't work because he was so like freaked out from having to like talk to these characters that weren't actually there <laughs> yeah he said it was like uh, um he was st- he would still see the hallucinations of them that he would come up with in his head to, like, <laughs> oh do my things. god <laughs> so he had to imagine that they were there so much <laughs> that once he was done he was like still like <laughs> like <they'd fucking> <laughs> <up> <laughs> <up>. <laughs> that's hysterical dude oh my god but yeah i think i think he did a really good job especially with like the physical stuff that they had to doing this um one of the coolest things to me was always uh benny the cab and then there was some show on disney plus where this one dude that's like a disney adult goes to uh like their archives and stuff like that and gets to look at like cool shit from movies and they pulled the chassis for that out to show it to him and it's like the craziest looking contraption and where Bob Hoskins had to sit to drive was in no way where the driver of that actually was. Like, there was a person basically seated underneath him in the actual car, and he was seated upward, like, on the back of it, basically. <laughs> and then they had to just, in every frame, <laughs> draw that car over the actual thing, which is just super cool. But, like, yeah. it's it's operational and shit like that. And I'm pretty sure Robert Zemeckis, the director, um, wound up reusing that to film something for one of the back to the future sequels i think yeah um it was in three Three. he used it to uh double as one of marty's horses (laughs) and they painted over it with a horse the same exact thing yeah (laughs) it's crazy uh (laughs) movie magic man benny the cab trivia for you (laughs) benny the cab also credited as marty's horse yeah i just no i just that character was always super cool and then we mentioned the screen time between the warner brothers and disney characters because like obviously uh like joe had said it's a huge selling point of the film it's the first time that's ever happened the only time that's ever happened (laughs) because warner brothers basically had to get talked into it by steven spielberg who was working with them on tiny toons adventures and 
they said yes, but they had so many contingencies about nobody's allowed to have more lines than the other person, and that's why they made the characters appear in duos throughout. Even Porky Pig and Tinkerbell at the end. Yep. (laughs) They have to appear together. Yeah. And then in the 90s, (laughs) Warner Brothers called Disney back and was like, hey, we're doing this crazy movie. We're with a bunch of characters in outer space. We'd like to have one of your characters feature in our film, and Disney was like, no (laughs) (laughs) the deals that they had to have in place to get the rights to all of these characters to use like betty boop i love how they use dumbo for a jump scare (laughs) (laughs) i mean it was terrifying yeah it got me (laughs) yeah as a kid it scared me away from watching the movie dumbo (laughs) yeah it's like is that what it does just fucking stares at people (laughs) jesus it flies up to windows I like that, like, the way they kind of resolved having to have those two characters on screen together and, like, compete with each other. Like, the Daffy and Donald scene, like, plays really well, especially for those two characters that they're just trying to one-up each other and they have, like, a little spy versus spy thing. (laughs) And then, like, that, like, Mickey and Bugs just kind of hang out. (laughs) (laughs) Besides, like, those, like, key characters, a lot of it was, like, recycled disney mm-hmm. animation right like mm-hmm. the brooms and all the other stuff um, yeah but it's still like the way that they used it worked when he's like walking through the back lot that was kind of gimmicky like they were just doing it to do it to show you all the tunes hanging out um yeah. but i think like once the story gets going i don't think they fall back on too many of those gimmicks like all of it serves the story and like one thing that i find really impressive about this especially for being 1988 and like i don't know how many times they've like tried to do this before that but like the 2d creatures you logically know aren't real but you're willing to accept that they're there and they're interacting but with modern like 3d animated characters they're trying to convince you that it's something real and you're inherently looking for right you're looking for the lie in there instead of just letting yourself buy in in the backlot scene specifically i think the biggest thing that they do is put what is that creature like the wolf or the dog or whatever on the um on the bicycle that falls over oh yeah and that's a practical bicycle that falls over because they couldn't keep it up because nobody was on it <laughs> so they just let it fall and then animate it around it like, yeah. <laughs> it it's it was that stuff that immediately like sets you into their universe and what they're creating and you're kind of like sucked in at that point because you're seeing uh, actual organic things being controlled by things that you know aren't there. Yeah. And this actually like originated a term that they like teach in like film school and like animation school is knocking the lamp. The scene yep. when he picks Roger up and the lamp starts swinging and they animated the light hitting him so he dims when it swings away and he lights up as it swings back to him. Like yeah. the fact that they were like paying that much attention to like make make you try to believe that this thing exists in this space is yeah. wild but like you said with the bicycle like anytime they're interacting with the environment like it's amazing roger yeah. doing the dishes yeah exactly <laughs> i was just about to say like, splashing the uh, water when when like the weasels come in and they're all holding the guns and they're pointing them yeah like yeah. in his face <laughs> And it's showing them gripping, like, the handle of it. It's just, 
the the use of lighting and mm-hmm. shadows especially because they're really dramatic with their shadow lighting i notice yeah yeah well they're they're leaning into the noir concept right. it's all like those small details that you don't really notice unless you're looking for them mm-hmm. it's not until you think about it after that like how did they do that how did they make him splash the water like how do they like make it grip the gun but yeah. like in the moment you're just like that just happened yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> the the level of work to just animate the characters into this movie mm-hmm. is just astounding <laughs> like they literally had to take every what was it every frame was a still photo and they had to just do the animation for that frame frame by frame they had 326 uh, animators uh, working full time on the film that's just the level of work so over 82,000 frames were, were individually hand drawn so like Disney owns obviously its characters and Disney owns this movie because it was released as a touchstone uh, mm-hmm. film. Warner Brothers owns their characters. So their characters created specifically for this film are actually technically owned by Amblin, which is Steven Spielberg's production company. <laughs> so mm-hmm. what do you guys think of uh, Roger Rabbit like as a character? Uh, I, I think, I think he fits the bill of what they were going for. Oh yeah. There's there was like a novel that so was based it is, on. Yeah. It is based on a character, but you know, in terms of what they were going for, and he has some good. He has some like genuinely funny lines too. Oh, yeah. Like like not prostate probate thing. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. But like I I like that that the movie like sets rules. You could have done that the whole time. And he says, no, I could only do it when it, it was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's it's cool because they, it's like a benefit for them in terms of writing. Like they, it's it's in their nature to like break the fourth wall, essentially. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's like part of what they, who they are. I think that Roger was like suitably insufferable. Like he's. Yeah, he's annoying, but he's meant to be the fake cartoon at that at the opening. It's just yeah. like he's like the most inept. I'll yeah. save you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> just watching him even attempt to do it because, like, all of the constant uh, standard issue pratfalls happen in one clip. Like yes. every thing that ever happens in a Tom and Jerry. Or right. Bugs Bunny basically happens in the span of that like five minute set piece. <laughs> my, um, my only qualm with that opening scene is that they made it look too good. Like I wanted it to look yeah. worse, like an old like Looney Tunes. Like I wanted like only the things that moved to be really well animated. Yeah, it does look like overly cinematic for what it was. Yeah, but at yeah. the same time, like you weren't necessarily viewing it from a viewer's perspective yeah. or in the context of the movie right you were you were literally viewing the set which yeah. is correct it's like so, so like meta the only thing, <laughs> the only thing that ever really bothered me about that scene and it still stuck out to me today was when the baby's trying to get the cookies on top of the refrigerator and each piece of bread comes off individually as he sleeps. <laughs> 
drove me crazy as a kid because I was like, that's not how bread works. Like, it just pissed me off. I don't know why. That's where you drew the line. It bothered me just because they kept loose bread on top of the refrigerator. (laughs) (laughs) Just a stack of it. Yeah. And the switch is really good, too. Because when they opened the refrigerator, I was watching with my roommates and my roommate was like, why does that look like it's 3D? And it's because it was like practical, like a block of cheese that like was made to look like a cartoon. Dude, that moment has always been in my head. And the music (laughs) is still playing and the director says, cut the track. (laughs) When you get the, the, the transition or the difference between the two, that moment, like as a kid i remember just being like it could be filmed on a real set (laughs) (laughs) like it really it really uh took me away and captured my my imagination when i was younger yeah the creativity that went into this film alone is bananas to me um how they achieved certain shots how Mm. they got around certain limitations that they may have had it's just it's fascinating to me i can't wait to like continually rewatch this film and like study it more yeah because like i said to you guys before like i wasn't watching this movie critically i started watching it as a fan because it was just fun it it pulled me in uh i really liked roger rabbit as a character like even though he was annoying his purpose was to be annoying yeah that's like who that character would be like all of these cartoons have their own personality and i think that that's very fun Mm -hmm. and i love the the world building that they created in the fact that like these cartoons have always existed Mm-hmm. And there's like a social class system between <laughs> cartoons and like humans. Yeah. Yeah. No, they were definitely like, especially when we get to that, that nightclub, um, they're definitely like making us making a statement with like, they're allowed to perform there and work there, but they can't be patrons. Like That's happened before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we're like going that meta about it, like, animation was as much a culprit of that kind of racism as anybody else was so i think if that was intentional maybe it was to comment on that or maybe it was just a a lasting blemish on society but mary poppins's uh penguins are oh yeah like the waiters in that scene and the idea was to imply that like walt frequented that place and offered the penguins a job or something <laughs> like well the uh, yeah the um the pats were to get in is walt sent me <laughs> walt sent me. <laughs> which like it, is he like their god or what did he did he make them or does he just hire them <laughs> where do the tunes come from <laughs> where do tunes come from <laughs> who is your god <laughs> So, basically, the plot of this movie centers around Roger Rabbit is set up for the murder of one Marvin Acme. And it turns out, spoiler alert, to be uh, Judge Doom, played by the one and only Christopher Christopher Lloyd. Lloyd. 
but as soon as I saw him on my screen, I got excited because I knew he was going to bring this over-the-top performance to this character, and he did, and I was so happy with it. Yeah, Judge Doom has been scary as fuck for a really long time. Yeah. (laughs) Just a terrifying, like, design and just unnerving to look at and... I remember being genuinely scared of the, uh, I talk when he just the like this. Oh. <laughs> like I was like legitimately scared of that as a kid. I, I do remember that. Yeah. When he, it's like how they made, it's like a testament to the world building of the movie and where you are by the time it happens. But when he dips that cartoon shoe into the dip, um, it's like genuinely scary and like the flashbacks of the screaming of the shoe <laughs> really like lives rent free in my head what's so funny about this is like everyone plays so seriously yeah like n- there's no fourth wall break within the world to the point where it ruins the illusion mm-hmm. it's something that they did in in that way really well um, was instead of giving you a lot of exposition dumping, which they don't, it, it's more through dialogue, which I appreciate. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that they did was kind of coast across his desk and you get like those headlines from the newspaper mm-hmm. clippings and kind of like, so you're kind of like brought into the history of without having somebody have to say, and then his brother got like right. they didn't have to do that, but they did use like a joke. It was a joke, but it like landed really funnily when um, Dolores turns very dramatically and says, "Toons killed his brother." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that to me kind it doesn't mirror it necessarily, but when you first see Bob Hoskins, everything's bright and lit, and then it cuts to him, and the lights get super dramatic on his face to do the noir thing. Yeah. So then kind of the same thing happens in that scene everything goes on and they're like what's his deal and she like super dramatic again <laughs> to killed his brother and it was like oh shit that's why he's so fucked up <laughs> he's so dark and distraught yeah. because a tune killed his brother uh, what they, they dropped a piano on his head yes yeah. it's fucking amazing yeah another spoiler is judge doom is a cartoon pretending to be a human which he plays very well. I'm pretty yeah. sure, because they don't like ever tell you what cartoon he is, but in the background of the one scene, there's a poster for like the pistol packing possum or something like that. Yeah. It's like on the wall in the background. And yeah. The fucking cartoon has the same eyes that he does at the end. Oh, interesting. Maybe. Yeah. That's and I had I had like read that because I kind of read some of the trivia before it started, and I watched the movie, and I read that one before it started. So I was looking for like the things in the background. So then when I saw that, I was like, "Oh shit, is that him? Like, is he?" And then he's got his little rodent posse <laughs> with him, and I was like, "Oh my god, that makes so much sense." Right. Yeah, it adds <laughs> up. I like it. Besides Christopher Lloyd, the only other person I could imagine doing this that well is probably jim carrey it would have been a very different film yeah the first thought i had when he came on screen was slugworth um but then i remembered <laughs> oh, yeah, that that's not yeah. him 
old slugworth you son of a bitch but he did do a great job balancing the like the creepiness with the tuniness yeah mm-hmm. tim tim curry apparently was too scary yes john john cleese wasn't scary enough yeah and christopher lee just straight up turned it down (laughs) (laughs) christopher lee was like i'll never be in anything that ridiculous and then he played willy wonka's father in the remake of willy wonka so i'll show you where his fucking brain was at (laughs) somebody needed a paycheck in 2005 but not in 1988 (laughs) <laughs> he had a very successful metal band back then. I uh, I read a thing earlier too that Bill Murray was yes. originally considered to play Eddie. Mm-hmm. They had no way of getting in contact with him, Hashtag and he read. He after the movie had come out, he read that they were looking for him to play the role, and he audibly screamed in public. Because no, he would have jumped at the chance to do it. Oh my god! It's okay. He got to be in Space Jam. It's, it's all the yeah. same. <laughs> I feel like, dude. I feel like it would be also a very different movie with Bill Murray. Yeah. in the uh, driver's seat of this. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, the Rogers kind of already a secondary character in this. I can't imagine if Bill Murray was in this, how secondary all of a lot of those characters would have wound up being. Yeah, because he would have just taken over all of the I, attention in it. I think Eddie Valiant works so well because you kind of take him serious. Like he plays the role straight. Yeah. yeah. I, he's I, very don't, I feel like I feel like Bill Murray would not have done that. No, he would have been winking and tongue in cheek like right. the whole time. Yeah. Where Bob Hoskins, who I didn't know was like English my entire life <laughs> until what? he passed away. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. he's like legitimately. I, I don't. I don't want to say he's British, but I know that he's from. He has an accent a, across the pond. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, wow. It blew my blew my fucking mind the first time I heard that because I knew him from this and to a much much lesser extent that Mario movie. Um, so like to me, he just kind of was a regular American guy, and then when I heard him in an interview, I was like. <laughs> no no fucking way because he did eddie valiant fucking amazing yeah. yeah his like i had no idea yeah and i think like his like hard-boiled performance makes like the turn of like his clown show at the end all the better yes. whereas like yes. if it's bill murray you're just expecting that like you're waiting for that's that such mm-hmm. a good point yeah yeah it wouldn't have hit as hard yeah and like yeah. his like his whole routine was just like <laughs> It's like awkward because you've gotten to know this character who's like not like that, but it's also yeah. just like amazing to like see it. It's and he doesn't like become a tune. Like it's not like end of Space Jam, Michael Jordan's arm stretching. He's just doing a clown show, like a, a human clown yeah. show. It's really cool. And the only way to kill them, the mix for that for that for the dip is stuff that removes like uh like what is it like paint stains. from ink and paint from yeah. like cells and shit it's like it's acetate like so- and turpentine and- <laughs> yeah. yeah such a fucking like minor detail because they didn't have to even think about what it was because it didn't matter yeah but the fact yeah. that they were like no 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 it's the stuff that erases ink you're like oh okay that's good that's, that's even funnier good. yeah like the story itself like this movie could have just been the gimmick that it's like yeah. people in cartoons but like Every line like leads to something like yeah the, like we have the best transportation 
public transportation in the world <laughs> leading yeah. to like doom's plot is to build the 111 freeway yeah um <laughs> and even like acme spraying him with invisible ink and then the twist of like oh his will was written in invisible ink it's very good like detective fiction reappearing ink. disappearing reappearing ink <laughs> when roger starts reading his love letter and then slips yeah. into the will but yeah of like, sound I body how- in mind dude that fucking killed me when i was watching it uh, for this that fucking killed me when i was watching it for this because he's like my darling rod roger or whatever the fuck of sound body and mind do hereby state and i was just like wait what the fuck <laughs> but also eddie's face when he gets sprayed with the ink at the club like he was legitimately gonna beat the shit out of yeah him. yeah yeah Oh my god, that killed me because he like that's part of like how serious he took the role. Yeah, you know what I mean. Where if it were like we were talking about somebody else and they got sprayed with the the, with the ink, they'd be like, "Oh, what is it? Disappearing ink?" Like they would have made a comment about (laughs) it or something to tell you the joke as opposed to let the joke happen. So Marvin Acme (laughs) with the disappearing reappearing ink and his Mm -hmm. will uh, is set up with a game of patty cake with jessica (laughs) and they got their photos taken by eddie um playing playing this game of patty cake uh hilarious that they used that as like she's cheating on you as he's flipping through it's literally like every motion of patty cake (laughs) Yeah. Into a flip book, yeah. He just kept taking pictures. Fucking, oh my god! Like w- hoping that in the next photo they'd stop playing or something. Because <laughs> <laughs> they play it when he's taking the photos as if like they are like yeah. fucking. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, yeah. But like to Roger, it's just as bad as if they were. Is like yeah. such a good bit. <laughs> like we hear it but we don't see it and it definitely sounds like they're having sex yeah. and then <laughs> I love that he didn't know who she was either he goes to Betty like why so many people come here to see a rabbit cause she's she's Jessica Rabbit so he Jessica, assumes yeah, she's she a is. rabbit <laughs> <laughs> but it's her name by he marriage can't figure out, he can't figure out why so many humans are interested in seeing her <laughs> flash forward to Lola Bunny 2020 <laughs> yeah I was gonna say you know flash forward to Space Jam like we were talking about no I think she's I think she's a good character yeah she, she, she you know it's just you know they, over, well, they over her, the top they, sexually yeah, but they give her more to do than just that. Yeah, exactly. She's and that's a, the thing that. Yeah, she's a perfect caricature of a femme fatale, which is already a caricature of a woman. So, like, she's yeah. a caricature on top of a caricature, which is naturally mm-hmm. just going to be ridiculous and, yeah. like, she's also <laughs> disgusting. <a> <laughs> and, and based inside of a satire on Hollywood. Like, it's a, like there's layers to Jessica Rabbit's existence. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah. It'd be crazy to me for somebody to watch this now and, and complain about, like, her role. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how things from the past kind of come up and people are like, oh, well, that's not acceptable anymore. Like, I don't think Jessica Rabbit falls into that category strictly because she had more to do in this movie than just be sexual eye candy. <laughs> yeah, and I think that was also part of the intention to, like, present... Yeah a character that would just be like eye candy but it's like no she's obviously like a mm-hmm. living thing with all these different 
like issues and yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the way that they used her character throughout as like you don't know which side she's on. Mm-hmm. You don't know if she was involved in this plot to set up her husband uh, mm-hmm. or not. And I like the, the the fact that they played that line really well. And then it turns out that she's just head over heels in love with him as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's another that was comment great. on like the way that like tunes are different in that like <laughs> when he asked Betty, she's married to Roger Rabbit and Betty thinks that she's the lucky one. Yeah. 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 Like, she's made to be attractive to like people, tunes. not to tunes. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny though, because I don't think her character design was finished before the movie was like filmed. Bob Hoskins even went on to say like what he imagined when he was acting wasn't even as risque as she wound up looking in the final <laughs> film, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> like his, like, his wildest fantasy was more muted than Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> yeah. And that goes back to him being British. We think um, <laughs> very repressed people. Uh, <laughs> repressed people (laughs) but yeah i liked i liked jessica as a character yeah so do i one of my favorite scenes i think would be the ending with judge doom and him like melting in the acid Mm. yeah um terrifying yeah terrifying but also like my dreams forever (laughs) and uh, honestly i'm i'm really happy that i did not see this movie as a child because i think he would have actually legitimately scared me yeah yeah the Jesus out of me, dude. My roommate has like a big phobia of like steamrollers and like things that like get flattened. So like oh that, that was a pretty traumatic moment for them. Oh my gosh, it's great. <laughs> Mark, movies that you guys can't watch together: Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Austin Powers. Austin Powers. Movie. Yeah, but I wouldn't watch Austin Powers. Not until the anniversary when you guys make me one. Stay tuned. Could happen. <laughs> like and comment. I've, comment yeah. below if you want to see Austin Powers, the spy who shot. When me. is the twentieth anniversary no, the of Austin Powers? <laughs> it definitely oh, had no. to have passed already, right? Wouldn't that have been twenty seventeen? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't know. It came out in ninety seven, I think. Um oh my damn. <laughs> Missed it. <laughs> we'll come back around for Still it. Still got now. gold member to look forward to. Yeah, two thousand two gold member coming up. I really don't want to talk about that one. <laughs> Coming up. Uh, but yeah, overall, Judge Fuck. Doom uh, melting in a, a vat of the dip. Yeah. Was was a good scene for me. Yeah, I mean, I'll say the cartoon at the beginning was like one of my favorite things about the movie. Just because, like I said, I, I love that they executed all those tropes at the same time. Like at one point, he falls and puts four of his fingers into two sockets. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way naturally that that would happen to you. So it's just like the funniest fucking thing. Uh, Wally is like rolling around in the kitchen with the fucking teapot on his head and all this other shit. It's just crazy. Yeah. And then the chili sauce going down his throat and shooting him across the fucking kitchen. It's just the most bullshit banana pants and it really like um set you up for something and then the turn where you see it live action is like 
debasing. So you're right at the beginning, you know, they're setting you up for like, you're not going to know what world you're in here because it's all different and weird from what you know. And I like that. My favorite bit in that is when they pan over and you see that the person playing the mother was just like on stilts. Like it wasn't yes. another cartoon. <laughs> it was a person on stilts. Yes. Yeah. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> so amazing. Dude, I don't know if I could pick a favorite scene. I feel like it's all just equally good to me. Uh, favorite scene fuck. was the movie. I, I just, I guess like the what I like the most is the bob hoskins and roger rabbit like back and forth scenes where it's like just them and it's like quick like punchy dialogue and a lot of it's like genuinely funny i like all those scenes (laughs) i really like the bar scene um not because Mm -hmm. of jessica um her like whole song like as like a i don't know a person who grew up in America, like repressed, like <laughs> makes me feel very <laughs> awkward. Um, but like, I love, I love the interaction with Betty Boop. Like when, mm-hmm. she, like she says, "Oh, since they went to color," and she says, "Oh, do I still got it?" And he looks at her and he says, "Yeah, you still got it." Like it was just, it was a very <laughs> sweet and cheesy moment that I really yeah. loved, um, and it told you a lot about that character, even that like. He didn't always hate tunes. Like, he used to like them and, like, interact with them a lot more. Yeah. And he still has, like, a soft spot for, like, his old friends, I guess. And I think that's true of, like, a lot of, like, adults who, like, they have a heart for, like, the old cartoons that they grew up with. But they look at, mm-hmm. like, what kids like now and it's very foreign to them. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's all much, terrible. I can very, I can very much speak to that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the fun facts that I read about this movie, the animation director, Richard Williams, Mm -hmm. uh, said that they set out to break three rules with this movie. Um, They want to move the camera as much as possible. They wanted to um, use lighting and shadows uh, to an extreme that was never before attempted. And then they wanted to have the tunes interact with real world objects and people as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think they wildly succeeded in all three yeah, of those. Yeah, I mean, if that was your mission statement, this was a fucking wild success. Yeah, yeah. really. I just wish the camera didn't move so much in the opening cartoon. Because I <laughs> wanted it to look like an old Looney Tunes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I love the, the, the film noir aspect of it. Because mm-hmm. it, it works. Like, if you were to take the gimmick out of it and just put real characters in, like, it mm-hmm. still works as a film. Yeah, you know it's pulpy and it's cheesy, but it also like it works. They had to finish all of the physical acting, and then they had to finish all of the voice acting, mm-hmm. and then they got to animate it. Yeah, uh, so it was like a real like they had to finish the movie twice essentially. Yeah, and like the the budget was supposed to be fifty, and then they knocked it down to thirty, and then it wound up being seventy. So they made this for seventy million dollars, which. I don't know. I don't care really what director you want to throw at it. I don't know that anybody else could do as good now with $70 million <laughs> to make <laughs> this type of movie. Like, I don't think it'd be possible. Yeah. I, like, I don't even know what like budgets looked like then though, compared to now. Well, I would imagine. And also like they had all those anime. I would imagine going in with 50 and having it knocked down to 30 
was like they were like what the fuck are we gonna do yeah <laughs> which yeah, is probably sure. why a lot of it wound up being practical because it's often cheaper and less bullshit to just like make the thing actually do it yeah and also they had all those animators but like how many of them like got treated got fairly paid. yeah no yeah. <laughs> well, yeah that's absolutely valid i feel like yeah there's probably a lot of people working a lot of long hours that didn't get shit from this fucking movie <laughs> <laughs> I, I always thought it was weird that there was not a lot of merch that surrounded this just the characters that they created like there wasn't a lot of roger slash jessica stuff well they i think they just end up falling into the same category yeah because that's because it's based on someone else's work i mean it's an adaptation of a book so like they had the the rights i guess but also Mm -hmm. but did they have like merchandising rights like in that regard where they could just make stuff like that to be be fair this was well, no, I mean, that wouldn't necessarily make sense because I was going to say this was 88 and Batman 89 came out the year later, obviously. But Star Wars had already existed, so merchandising yeah. was in full fucking swing, yeah. right? especially in the 80s where they were like pumping shit out at that point just to try to get money from it, you know? Yeah. So it's weird that, I, I mean, I don't know necessarily who this movie in 1988 was made for. You know what I mean? Like, who the target audience for this was then. The thing that I read said that they did a test screening of it for 18 and 19-year-olds, and they uh, allegedly walked out and didn't see the end of it because they hated it so much. And Robert Zemeckis literally was like, I'm not changing a fucking thing about this movie. So we're just going to fucking roll roll with it and see what happens. Because you can't really, I mean, it's not necessarily for kids, even though kids watch it. There's a lot of shit when you're a kid that just goes right over your fucking head. Oh, yeah. So, any any final thoughts on Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Uh, it's a great movie, and if you haven't watched it in a long time, like some of us, um, it's definitely always a good time to go back and see it. It's on Disney Plus, obviously, but also is on Amazon video, uh, Amazon Prime Video now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. It's definitely a film that I'm going to rewatch. Uh definitely going to be a comfort film. Cool. And I don't I don't know necessarily if I have anything bad to say about it. Like, yeah, yeah it's got its issues, but like what movie doesn't at the right. end of the day? And this is this is one that just brought me a lot of joy. When you had fun, the issues fall by the wayside. Yeah. When you're sitting there dragging yourself through the runtime, yeah. it's not nearly as fun, and you notice every fucking flaw in it. It's That's just how the fuck it works. It's a good movie for, like, multiple viewings. To watch it as a movie, and then watch it, like, to appreciate all of the little shit you know yeah. yeah there's a lot of other people in the cast that were like huge like voice actors and stuff like that yeah uh, yeah yeah it's like all of the original voice actors for right. bugs for daffy for donald mickey mickey betty boop like all yeah. of those were the original voice actors which i thought yeah. was really cool the attention to detail in this movie is far beyond anything that i originally anticipated going into it Getting yeah. the original Betty Boop is a fucking pull, man. <laughs> this is like a crazy movie for what they like set out to do. I think it's like often been copied but never repeated. Like I think like what like seven or eight years later. <laughs> um, 
so yeah they tried to do it again like space jam is great but like i don't think it has like the staying power of this like space jam's value i think by now is more nostalgia that has been kind of like run to the ground by a new legacy um the only thing i can think of that like is kind of like close enough to this is like the muppets um Mm -hmm. just in terms of like selling you on an idea of like this like fantastic but like real world um, puppets and people living among each other who would think who would think that'd be a good idea? <laughs> yeah and not to mention it like there was like a newfound like appreciation i guess yeah for, like the for the, the 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 2d artwork yeah yeah which makes sense because like we kind of were all raised in that time frame that mm-hmm. 2d animation and disney animation in particular was like huge yeah so i think yeah i think that definitely helps my appreciation of it and when you think about cartoons in the 80s that were like on tv they were all kind of shitty yeah 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 (laughs) wow that is a really good point and then those fucking hippies over at pixar had to ruin it (laughs) (laughs) i think before this it was like oliver and company which was like not well that well received maybe yeah Yeah. uh i think that has like a cult kind of I think that's aged better than it started. Yeah, Tune in for our next episode where we talk about the other Robert Zemeckis hit, The Polar Express. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no! It was like, hey, I made a beautiful um, animation where you believe that everything's alive. Now let me bring you into the soulless, uncanny valley where you can never escape. <laughs> So now it's that point in the episode where we ask you guys what you thought about Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So please leave a comment below. Uh, Hit us up on social media, at PopCanon. Don't forget the K. Thanks, everyone, for being on my show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you want to see our animated faces... Uh, Jordan also edits these video, these podcast episodes as videos and uploads them to YouTube. Um, you can find us on there. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe and ring the bell so you'll always know when we have a new episode coming out. That'd be pretty sweet of you. And if you don't want to watch it on YouTube, that's fine. You could also listen on your favorite podcast platform. Just search Pop Cannon and hit that subscribe button. But also, if you've listened this far into this episode, please rate and review our podcast on whatever thing you use. Spotify, Apple, whatever the fucking Android one is. Just rate and review us on those and we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Yes. So for Pop Cannon, uh, if you would like to, you could also find us individually. I, Jordan, can be found on Twitter and Instagram at JL24FPS. I'm Robert, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Yesball. I'm Joe. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Joe for Broke. I have an Instagram now, guys. Oh, holy shit. He does. What is it? It's Paul Shannon three five four. I had to read it because I didn't have it memorized. <laughs> That's normal, right? <laughs> so for Pop Cannon, thank you so much for watching and/or listening. We will see you on the very next episode. It's episode sixty nine, the last one of the year. 
we're talking Spider-Man No Way Home. So thank you. We'll see you on the next one. See you, bye.